Welcome to another episode of The Sebastian Show. This week, I interviewed Sean Whalen, Lions Not Sheep. It's an epic episode. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Check it out. I appreciate you jumping on, and I, I'll just jump right into it, though. Give me a frame. What, tell me about your, how you grew up. What was, your, what was your frame of reference growing up? Uh, how did you see the world? Did you grow up with two parents, one parent? Grew up, uh, I grew up with an alcoholic father. I grew up with two parents that worked middle-class America, um, played baseball, did my deal. Dad woke up before the sun came up, came home before the, after the sun went down, uh, drank basically all the time. Um, was a feisty little kid, didn't do well in school, hated school, got terrible grades, always got in trouble for getting terrible grades. Uh, didn't like to sit still. I was always kind of a little hustler, always like running a little racket. And I'd, I'd go to my neighbors and say, hey, let me mow your grass for five bucks. They'd say, okay, great. And I'd pay my friends $2 to, to mow the grass and I'd keep three. And we all had money when the ice cream man rolled around. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but yeah, I mean, my parents split up when I was a, a, an early teenager and, and raised without my dad. Uh, so that my teenage years were pretty rebellious, pretty rambunctious and uh, got in a lot of trouble, uh, pushed the envelope. I kind of wanted to get in trouble. I was just an angry little kid um, and it took me quite a while to kind of figure some of that stuff out. But um, yeah, that's that's the uh, that's that's 20 years in about 20 seconds. Yeah. So you so dad was an alcoholic. You, you went through a divorce. Are you, do you have any siblings? A uh, younger brother. So you're the oldest. Yeah. So how was, what was the impact of, of dad leaving? Did you, were you, were you like relieved that it like, was it oh, like, it was, yeah, it was, it was hectic, man. I mean, my dad, uh, my dad had some serious uh, issues on his own. I mean, he was really raised in a broken home and he and I didn't have a good relationship. Um, right. You know, he would go weeks at a time without talking to me, you know, would, would literally like not talk to me for two weeks and would like be sitting in the same room and tell my mom to tell me something. I mean, he was very, very, he had a lot of issues, you know, fast forward. And now I look at the relationship and the dynamic and I understand, you know, that he had many, many, many of his own demons that uh, he had never addressed. Um, you know, but uh, my, my mom always said the same thing, like if it ever got to a certain point that then we would leave and and one day it got to a point me and my dad got into a fight and uh, that was it. We, we, we left and uh, never, never looked back. How old were you? I was in my early teens. I don't remember. I was probably 12, 14? 13 years old, somewhere around there. Yep. Where, where did, where did you grow up? My Washington, DC, just in the burbs of Washington, DC. No way. Yeah. In Northern Virginia. I never, I'm pretty good at the shit. I never would have guessed that your vibe is like, Midwest country, like oh no, that's that's new, man. I grew up in the city. The closest I ever came to to animals was like when the petting zoo came to the J.C. Penney parking lot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So now I got a 500 acre ranch, and and uh, you know I, I got animals and things, and playing around in cow shit, and and running around on my uh, on my ranch and horses and all that other stuff. So that's a that's a new thing. What's your relationship with your father now? I haven't spoken one? to him in uh, probably eight years, nine years. I message him. I email him probably every other month just on updates with the kids. He's actually never met my kids. Uh, my oldest is 20 to kind of put in perspective the, the dynamic of, of his reality. You know, I learned a lot more about his upbringing from my mom, uh, you know, as I got older and started to really appreciate the, the impact that he had having an abusive, you know, alcoholic father. Um, you know, I got to really understand uh, the empathy around it. And I realized that my dad had never really been loved. So he didn't know how to love. My dad had never been shown compassion. So he didn't know how to show compassion. He'd never, yeah. you know, had a dad who was around, so he didn't know how to be around. And so, you know, I gained a lot of empathy for that. And, uh, you know, I still, I still reach out. I mean, I literally don't know if, if he's dead or alive, you know what I mean? Um, I know that he reaches out to my brother every now and again. So, but I have a lot of love and I have a lot of empathy because, uh, I realized that he did the best that he could with the tools that he had. And so it's something that, you know, I talk a lot about fatherhood because I have five kids and, and yeah. the whole thing now, and I realize, like, you know, my job and my mission as my good friend, Ed Milet talks about, about being the one, like breaking the chain. And so I realized, you know, I didn't have an example of how to be a father. So I've had to figure that out on my own, but I, I choose to, to be really the father to my children that I never had. 
Yeah. And so all the things that I wish I'd have had as a kid, I now, you know, try and implement it in, in being a father. So it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful. I don't have any regrets. I have zero regrets about anything in my life. Um, I don't go back and go, man, I wish I would have had a dad around. I, I don't have any of that. Cause, um, well, that's why I'm asking you this because it's obvious. It seems yeah. like you have mostly gratitude for those lessons, which tells yeah. you you've done the work, right? You're, yeah, you're over it, which then makes you know 50% of marriages are ending in divorce right now, and it's a topic that's close to my heart. My mom and dad divorced before I was uh, conscious, before I can remember. So, um, you know, I felt the pain of that myself. And and yeah. there's a lot of people that ask about growing up in a fatherless home. And, and I mean, this with all due respect, femininity will never bestow masculinity. And we have a generation of boys raised by right. women and they're not right. learning. They're not getting that transition into manhood, like that rite of passage into manhood. And we see it in our culture. I think, I think there's a, there's been a big impact with that. Oh, yeah. You have a, a military vibe to you. Is your, anyone in your family in the military? Is that something you picked up later on? No, I just, uh, my dad was, uh, my grandfather's in the Navy. Okay. My dad was in the Navy for a little bit and oh, okay. uh, I, was, I grew up. The only thing I ever wanted to be was a Navy SEAL growing up, but uh, my parents split up. And so I didn't really have any masculine push as a teenager and as a young adult. And so I got married really young and, and kind of went down the marriage path. But uh, I've always had that vibe. You know, I don't have any regrets, but people ask me, if you could go back and do one thing over again, what would it be? And the only uh, thing I can think of that I would do differently would be to serve in the military. Not because it's like some heroic badge of honor, but because there's a skill set that, that these men and women learn that I would have loved to learn, which is why now at 44 years old, most of my friends are special forces, you know, yeah. uh, SWAT police. And right. I train vigorously and, and, and religiously with those guys. Cause I want to know, you know, guys who have had multiple deployments and, and seeing the shit, you know, I, yeah. I, I extract everything I can from them and I train with them uh, very regularly. Yep. Yeah. Again, I can relate. I actually trained, went through double pups, which was a Marine uh, for kids, really. Um, and all my all my family up until the last generation was in the military. I actually trained to go into the SEAL program. And over a a girl, I didn't go in. And <laughs> to my my two friends that I trained with, one became a Navy SEAL, was in Afga Afghanistan painting caves. And the other one took the Kandahar airport uh, in Afghanistan as a Marine. Very and cool. I was pissed because neither one of them told me they enlisted because uh, they knew I'd be pissed. And it was before 9-11. And then yeah. they told me afterwards and I tried to get in after the fact because I was going to be pissed if they went into the military and fucking got killed. Uh, they were, they were into it because of me. Like I got them both in, excited about going in the military and they ended yeah. up going in and I didn't. So and you bailed for a girl. <laughs> I bailed for a fucking girl. Yeah. Early, early life lesson. Yeah. Um, my own work there. But so you, did you do, you were a Mormon missionary. I, I heard you caught that yeah. two years on a mission. So yep. is that eight, 18 to 20? As typical? Uh, no, I went when I was 20. So I was born and raised Catholic, Irish Catholic family. I was Catholic yep. for uh, 17 years. Uh, when my parents split up, my mom was Mormon. My dad was Catholic. So when we went with my mom, everybody around her was Mormon. So we joined, you know, we were baptized. Yep. And then uh, when I was 20, I just got tired of being a, a, a shithead doing nothing. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this God thing out. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I kind of got serious about the church and learning about God and, and chose to go on this Mormon mission from uh, 20 to 22. Where'd you go? Montana. <laughs> that's where I, that's where I fell in love with the Western. That's where yeah, I fell I in love with the city or with the, yeah. the country. You know, I literally, I didn't even know where Montana was when they, they give you your call and your assignment. And I was like, where the fuck's Montana? And yep. I found out. And I mean, I went from literally city boy. I'd never like been around cows or anything. Yep. So I went from that to Eastern Montana where everybody's a rancher and all you do is, you know, calving and branding and shit like that. So I got, uh, for lack of better words, I went balls deep right into the country life and, and truly fell in love with it. I said, when I went, I was like, I'm never going to wear Wranglers. I'm never going to listen to country music and I'll never own cowboy boots. And now I have more fucking cowboy boots and I know what to do with. I love, <laughs> you know, I've got custom made cowboy hats and, and now I own a 500 acre ranch. So <laughs> So, so two years, I tell you, the, the Mormon missionary uh, process builds some savages, some yeah. great, I know a lot of great business people and salespeople that came out of that. And one of them, one of my guys tell me went through the same process, I think 18 to 20 though. And he was in, uh, I believe El Salvador yeah. somewhere in Central America, but he was saying that if you can convert a person a year, you were winning. Oh man, it's, That's it's look, my daughter's on a Mormon mission right now. And I, I got a lot of friends in the sales industry and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, you can sell a, a, a you can sell an iPhone, you can sell a car, you can sell insurance, or whatever. But go try selling God. 
selling totally. jobs, one of the toughest sales out there. So yeah, you go out when you're a young kid, you don't really have any life and life lesson. You've never been on your own before you're leaving mom and dad. And it's like, yeah, go sell God. It's, it's fucking brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I'm, I'm ecstatic that my daughter's out right now uh, doing her thing and, and, and on her mission. So we, we yep. share a lot of stories. We get to talk once a week and, you know, we're always sharing stories and stuff like that. So it's really cool. That's so cool. Where'd she go? Um, she's somewhere in America. Got it. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> That's cool. Well, how does religion and God play a part in your life now? I, I, I catch your content. You certainly reference yeah. Christ enough. And, and yet a few weeks ago, you had a, a, I thought a great post where you were unpacking what God means to you and yeah. kind of your reverence there. And it seems like what I was inferring is you're less religious, but deeply spiritual. And I hate using that expression, but it's like, you have a relationship with God, but you're not necessarily into all the fanfare that comes yeah. with religion. But I'd love to hear that in your own words. Yeah. No, I spent a uh, majority of my life uh, very religious. I uh, grew up Catholic, altar boy, you know, CCD, First Holy <laughs> Communion, the entire deal. Uh, joined the Mormon church, did the Mormon mission, was married in a Mormon temple and, and, and was, you know, in Mormon um, leadership positions for about 10 years. And after I went through my divorce, you know, a lot of people leave religion and get angry especially yeah. in the Mormon church, you know, they, they find yeah. themselves in divorce or whatever. And they're like, fuck the church and the church did. I, ne I was never that way. I think religion is brilliant for the people that need it. I think yeah. that whether you're Mormon, Catholic, Baptist, Protestant, you know, I'm an anomaly. People can't understand me. They can't figure out how I say God and fuck in the same sentence. And they're like, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, yeah, but I just did. Right. So for me, I found I myself <laughs> when I went through my divorce, I realized that you know, Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. So the book says, yeah. right. And, and, and I started realizing that I had never actually built my own relationship with God. I had done what I was told to do. I followed the path of, of Christendom. I followed the path of, of Mormonism. I followed the Catholic church and I, I read the Bible front to back many times, old Testament, new Testament. You know, I read the Bhagavad Gita. I read the book of Mormon. I read the doctrine and covenants. I've read uh, parts of the Quran, like, Yep. And, and I realized that I had never actually gone into my own wilderness and figured out who God really was and built a re relationship, like the way that I have a relationship with a friend. Yeah, I'd never done that. And so I spent a couple of years really trying to figure out, number one, who I was and number two, who God was. And I decided to just I closed the books. I stopped listening to people and I just started yes. talking to God. Yes. And I started figuring out how to listen and I started figuring out how to communicate with him. And I realized that, you know, he's talking to me 24 seven, but as the, the book says, I didn't have the eyes to see or the ears to hear because I was following yes. this, this ritualistic programming and yes. not that that's wrong or bad. Right. But it, I, I started realizing like, you know, modern religion is made of man. It's without question a business. I mean, the Mormon church is a trillion dollar business. The yes. Catholic church is the largest landowner on the planet, there were trillion, yeah. literally trillions of dollars, right? Yes. And I sat back and I was just like, I mean, I built a real strong relationship with Christ. He's this figure in this book, right? Whether you believe in the Bible or don't, whether you believe in it or not, I look at it as cool. He was, here's this book and here's this amazing guy that I read about and I'm building this relationship with. And I realized like Jesus was a freak. I mean, if you really think about who he was, he was a fucking weirdo. He's a dude who roamed around. He didn't have an apartment and a house and he didn't have a car and he didn't drive around and have a bunch of cool shit, a Rolex and whatever. He had a he had like nothing. And he just wandered from town to town and he sat on rocks and talked to people and healed the blind and talked to the to the harlots and and, and cured people and turned water into wine and one loaf into fishes. And it's just like this dude is a fucking weirdo. I mean, if you saw him today sitting on a rock in a park, you would go the other way. <laughs> if you really think about it, I mean, that's 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 really who the guy was. He was a total weirdo. And what he was talking about had never been heard before. And so here's this dude who's like sitting on these rocks and these people are like, who the fuck is this guy? Like some people are like, yeah, I like this. Some people are like, yo, all the, the wise scholarly religious men were like, oh, he's he's not, he, you know, Sadducee and he's full of shit. And all of a sudden I started like realizing like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of vibe with this guy. Like, I kind of feel like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I kind of feel like I do these, you know, a thousand years ago, 2000 years ago, they were writing with feathers and scrolls and papyrus. And like, here I am writing on this iPhone and, and they have their, their books that they make and hand out to people. And I have this platform that I speak to people. And it was like, 
you know, I, I started really understanding that God gave me the, the, the megaphone that he did for a reason. And, yes. and the messages don't necessarily make sense to a lot of people. And they don't, they question, well, the book says this. And I'm like, yeah, but I just talked to the man and he said this. So which yes. is it? Yes. You know, and, and, and I'm really, really, really is, I have a very, very, very profound relationship with deity. I can't prove them to you. I can't prove, you know, I, I don't even try anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, I realize, like, you know, when I wake up every single morning, my prayers are simple. I used to, you know, the how our father who art in heaven, my aunt, fuck all that stuff, man. Like I literally, I walk out to my window and I look up literally to the heavens and I say, God, put the people in front of me that you need me to meet and put the words in my mouth that you need me to speak. Yes. Cause I realized like he, you know, he's in charge, man. Like I've seen three babies come out of a woman's womb and you can't convince me that that happened by a bunch of rocks just colliding in space. Right. <laughs> How did it happen? I don't fucking know. I have no idea. Right. And I'm, I don't even try and prove it to people, but man, I, I truly, truly, truly have a, a very, very, very distinct relationship with, with deity. I believe yes. that, that I'm here for a purpose. You're here for a purpose. This conversation is not happening by accident. The things that are happening in life are not by accident. There, there's literally a lesson in every single thing. And as soon as we step back and get rid of this ego and start saying, all right, what's God, what's God trying to teach me? What's yes. he trying to show me? My life sucks ass. I'm an addict. I'm fat as fuck. I don't know what it is. I'm broke. What is he trying to teach me? And all of a sudden you start connecting and you go, whoa, I'm going to stop listening to all you guys who have your own shit storms and your own shit sandwiches that you're trying to eat. And I'm going to just start talking to the man, you know? When I was a missionary, I was like a weird missionary too, because I, you know, we had all of our lessons and we would teach people. And I'd say, look, here's this book, right? It's the Book of Mormon, right? I've read it. I've read the whole thing. Read it. Don't ask me and my companion what we believe. Don't go ask your pastor if this is right or wrong. Ask God. Like, just go talk to the fucking man. He'll tell you. You know what I'm saying? Well, my yeah. companions, my missionary companions would be like, well, Elder, we're supposed to say, I'm like, I don't care what we're supposed to say. Like the relationship, it was God. Go to God. You know, if you want to know about a Ferrari, don't go ask a Porsche guy. Go ask a Ferrari guy. You want to know about a Ford? Don't ask a Chevy guy. You want to know about God? Go talk to the man. I love what you're saying here. This So so much of religion is, and I talk about a lot this a lot because it's a, a subject close to my heart. Most people know the book of the Lord. They don't know the Lord of the book. Yeah. Right. Amen. And if you're like, I spend like this, like if you were good friends with Michael Jordan, like Michael Jordan was literally your friend. Like you hung out, you played golf together, you fucked around together. And somebody came to you and they're like, did you know that Michael Jordan is six, seven and he won six NBA championships? You're like, yeah, that's really cool. And then they'd start spouting their, their thoughts about who Michael Jordan was. And you're like, well, I'm his friend. Like, that sounds weird. Or like, no, that's not actually what he thinks. And, it would be, and you could tell immediately the difference between somebody who has studied God and somebody who knows God. It shows up completely different. And that's second John in the New Testament. That's the promise. Call to me and I will answer you. That's Jeremiah yeah. 33, 3. But Second John, it's like the Holy Spirit will lead you in all things. Just ask. Yeah. It's like, and, and that coming from the Catholic Church, no doubt, had an impact because so much of the Catholic Church was you talk to a priest, he talks to God. Yeah. Right? You're talking yeah. through someone. Organized religion, I think, uh, arguably has been the most destructive force on earth. Totally. It also has carried some of the most important truths that humanity still benefits from today. So it's been yeah. a double-edged sword. But Man, I'm there's more people that have died because of God and religion and more people that have, like found peace right it's just it's a it's a wild anomaly and this is like part of where a lot of people get confused with me because i'll, I'll like i'll quote the book of mormon because there's great stuff in there and there's yeah. great stuff in, in the doctrine of covenants which is another mormon book and yeah. i'll quote stuff out of the bhagavad gita or whatever and people are like oh dude the 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 it's a cult and i'm like have you actually googled the word cult because literally the true definition of cult is following anyone or anything with zealotness yeah. it's like okay so you're telling me your church is right your god is the only god well, then you're in a cult well i'm in yeah. a cult we're on a cult and there's just this re really interesting like dogma that i see with religion and stuff today and i mean you you know this what's the single greatest emotion to sell something with fear 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 yep. yeah like fear when we're little kids if you do this you're gonna go to hell oh shit oh shit oh no you know yeah. what i mean the cop that you're going you better buy these shoes. There's only three minutes and 47 seconds left or it's going to go away. Fuck, I'm going to miss it. I got to buy it, right? Like one day only, sale, buy it now, do it now. It's just like, we stop and think about it. Like, it's just, I, I don't vibe with that anymore. Oh, and, and this is where when people are like trying to argue with me about the, 
this guy's wrong or that guy's wrong or the Book of Mormon's wrong. I can prove this wrong. I can prove the Bible contradicts the Bible for, for hell's sake, right? The divine dichotomy. But it's just, yeah, I just tell people, I'm like, look, man, if you believe that a guy lived in the belly of a whale or you believe that a dude opened up the ocean and here's this guy named Joseph Smith in the Mormon church. I was like, yo, I just went out into the woods and I talked to God. You're like, he's a freak. I'm like, you believe a book that a guy was fucking getting instructions from a bush that was on fire. How is this dude a freak? And that dude's not a freak. Like, let's get serious for two seconds, friends. Because they actually have to think, you know what I mean? But I love it, man. I, I'm, I'm very, very, very ecstatic about my relationship with God. And I, and I truly believe that, like, you know, I have a calling here and a purpose here. And, and I'm grateful for that. It's obvious. I love it. Yeah, th- I, I talk about this a lot in my own work is so many of the stupid decisions that people make come from fear. And fear is the biggest and easiest way to drive behavior in humanity. When you look throughout history, it's been very easy to manipulate people if you can make them afraid. And we just came through COVID. And and undoubtedly, I think you and I probably have a very similar view of COVID. But it was all about fear. If you can keep keep people afraid, you can easily manipulate them and they'll give up their rights. We're dealing with this again. If you've seen, you know, I'm, you know, whatever you think of TikTok, demonizing TikTok as a Chinese spy device. And then you see this bill that's about to get passed or they're trying to fucking pass. And like, it has nothing to do with TikTok. We're giving up more of our fucking rights. Yeah. Right? And people will, will hook, line, and seek or go for it out of fear that China's the fucking enemy. Meanwhile, we're giving up our, our rights. I'm, you know, I'm a, freedom <laughs> for me is a huge deal. So anyway, go ahead. What are you 100%. Say? No, I'm, I'm with you. I was just going to say the whole TikTok thing is comical to me. You know, I was listening to Dan Crenshaw the other day. God bless the man. You know, yeah, he's, he's trying to persuade everybody. Well, they have all this information. And, and what happens if all of a sudden they decide that, that they have 500 million people and they, they want to start injecting these messages and persuading people? I'm like, Facebook's been doing that for 10 years. So is Instagram. So is fucking Google. Yeah, like, we're we're, we're Google okay with TikTok, it as long dummy. as it's an American company. Yeah, as long as it's an American company, like, it's fine. Just. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you must not have any stock in that, do you, guy? Like, go get some stock, and then you'll change your story, but whatever. I mean, dude, it's just this This is the reason I've got, you know, lions, not sheep. That's where it came to me. It's just like, look, man, I realized most of my life I'd been a sheep. I did what I was told, and all of a sudden, I stepped back a little bit, and I started asking questions. I was like, whoa, wait a second. I don't know. No, 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 no. And it's just like, to me, that's the ultimate level of freedom, like, that I talk about with lions, not sheep, is, is being able to, like, need nothing. Like control yes. your mind, have your own yes. testimony of God, like go out into yes. your own damn wilderness, shut the books, forget what everybody's told you, forget what mom and dad say. And your, and your pastor says, go out in the damn trees and talk to the man yourself. You know, but. it's interesting. You're, and I want to get into lions, not sheep. Cause I think it's fucking awesome, but um, it's interesting. You brought up 40 days in the wilderness with Christ. It's, it's a teaching I use a lot uh, because the test there was one of identity. Right. If you remember, he comes out of that 40 days later and, it, and and Satan goes, if you are truly the son of God, you know, make this to turn these stones into bread. If you were truly the son of God, call down the angels to save your ass. And he's like, oh, you have little faith. Yeah. And he, he, because he passed, if you will, passed the test because he knew who he was. Right. Everything is about identity. I'm writing a book right now. My first book out will be on identity because this is the game. When you know who you are, you become unfuckable with. Yeah, the problem is, true. is most humans haven't figured out who they are yet. And it's totally. very easy to manipulate people that don't have a, a fully baked identity. They haven't totally. done the work yet. And that's, you know, what you're talking about. Your transition was, was coming into your identity, figuring out who the fuck you are. Instead yeah. of playing in the world of the ideal, you, you started to own who you are and became more right. real. And so it sounded like, based on what you were saying, correct me if I'm wrong, it took a tumultuous season in your life in which you went through a divorce which obviously divorce is one of the hardest things for men and women to go through, right? The breaking apart of those relationships. I don't know if you had kids before that, if your whole business was tied to that, but that's fucking pain. But so yeah. much of our best lessons come through those painful moments, yeah. right? It, like it makes us go, wait, what the fuck? This math isn't adding up. What, right. am, I, what am I missing here? Right. Well, that's why I tell people, I'm like, look, man, you, you're avoiding the single greatest thing that, that's teaching you. And it's pain. It's fear. You know what I mean? Like we, 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 we're creatures that avoid at all costs anything that scares us or intimidates yeah. us or causes us to question. And so this, if you look at it, you know, one of, it, it's just that it's, it sounds so funny, but like you, you hear people screaming and I don't want to turn this political, but like screaming Trump's a racist. And anybody who's screaming that you say, well, tell me something racist. He said, fuck you. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay. 
Uh, so, oh, so terribly like, enlightening. The, yes, the Mormon you. Church is a cult. Well, tell me why. Fuck, fuck you. you. It's like, oh, you don't know. Okay, got it. Like, so you don't have an answer. You're just regurgitating. And if you really peel back the layers of that, man, I don't think my mom and dad were bad or wrong. I don't think your mom and dad were better. They taught you everything they knew. Correct. And it's up Correct. to me and you to further that progression. It's up yep. to me and you to ask questions. Yep. But here we are as, as grown adults, you know, not going, hey, you know what? I mean, I, I, all I did was Google and realized it took 20 years for polio vaccines and this vaccine and this thing. And y'all found a cure for this shit in five minutes. Like, and you want, and you're pushing, you're literally going to give me a cheeseburger to get a shot in my arm. But nobody did. Nobody questioned, which is why nobody questions God, religion themselves, their financial literacy. Nobody questions like, hey, maybe I'm me eating shit all day long is why I'm fat, not because of McDonald's, you know? And I, and I, this is something that I really encourage people, which is why I think a lot of people don't like me. Um, it's because I, I challenge people to think. Yes. I challenge people to like come up with their own answers. Like you're, you're broke, not because somebody else is rich. You're broke because you're undisciplined. You're yes. broke because you haven't studied. Like you can blame everybody all you want. Like I promise you, sir, ma'am, you're obese because you eat like shit and don't work out. Not because there's saturated fat in the world. Yes. What else do you want me to tell you? You know, but I, I, I truly believe like one of the, one of the most audacious things that a human being will do is ask questions. Yes. Yes. And, and I, that's what I'm really trying to push people. And I feel like, you know, my friend said this to me a while ago and it stuck with me and it became really powerful for me. He's like, you're kind of like a light switch. I'm like, wow, what do you mean? He's like, remember when you were a kid? Like, and, and it was winter time and mom would come in. I grew up in DC and it was cold as shit in the winter time. And, you know, it's 6 a.m. and mom's coming in to get you up for school. And she flipped the lights on and pulled the covers off because I didn't like to get out. And you were like, oh, God, some lights off. It's hurting my eyes and fucking freezing. Like, it's painful. It sucks. You don't want the lights on. It hurt. It literally physically hurts your eyes. If you're in darkness and all of a sudden, bing, this light gets shining in your eyes, it hurts. But yes. the reality is, without it, you can't see. And so I was like, huh? And he's like, all you're doing is just flipping lights on in front of people. And they're like, oh, shit. Oh, no. Hey, no. I don't like that one, you know? But at the end of the day, like, isn't that what Christ did? Yes. Isn't that what, like, you know what I'm saying? The entire call is because without the lights, you can't see anything. So in this age of darkness where people are just slumbering along, asleep and quiet and just, you know, cuddled up in their little bed of mediocrity, somebody comes along and flips this light switch on and, it's like, oh, shit, I don't like that. Turn it off. But the reality is, like, without it, you won't grow. There will yep. be no progression in your life. 100%. I love this. That's you know, so much of my work and my message and something I'm constantly teaching is to question everything. Oh, doesn't yeah. Matter, doesn't matter who is saying it. Question everything. Do the math for yourself. So a lot of my focus on my own teaching is not teaching people what to think, but how to think. Bingo. So that we can look at the world differently. Yeah. Only free people can help other people get free. And we right. need free people right now. And the first thing you need to get free is your mind. Right. right? And truth doesn't need a defense. That's the beautiful thing. If you're speaking yeah. truth, it will defend itself. Right. So look, have you always been that way? I mean, it's just brash and direct. No, I was a shy little kid. I was terrified um, of speaking. I was terrified of like standing up in front of the class. Like I did everything to avoid it. It wasn't until uh, I got on my Mormon mission that I realized that I had like a leadership capacity, like right, like from the very first day I was called into a leadership position and they just basically pick all these new guys like, all right, you're, you're here. But I started to really exude that and, and it's refined and refined and refined. And what's really cool in the Mormon church, they have what they would kind of be considered like maybe like a priest or, or a holy man or whatever they're called patriarchs and they give you these blessings. Right. And the patriarch's job is to give you, it's called your patriarchal blessing. It's really cool. Like it's, it, there's so many fucking amazing things with different churches and things and the way that they, they operate, you know, from, from a, a really spiritual place. And in that blessing, it talked about how like I will continue to learn and use the English language to change the world. And it did make sense to me when I was 20 years old. I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Okay. Whatever guy. And, but now like fast forward 20 something years and I'm realizing, holy shit, like, you know, this is all prophecy that's coming to be where it's yes. like, you know, yes. people want you to fit into this box and this thing. And God's giving me, he gave, God gave me these viral posts. He made them go viral. Like 
oh, Sean, you got lucky. I'm like, well, I mean, a billion views later and, and literally hundreds <laughs> of millions of people engaged. I'm sure it's just luck. <laughs> it's not really luck anymore, friend. You know what I'm saying? But I realized that now more than ever, like, you know, it's, it's scary. It still scares me. It's, I still have reservations. I still have fears. I still will sit down and I'll be like, and I'll hit send and I'll be like, oh shit, that was a big one. You know what I mean? But it's like, yep. when God speaks to me, man, I, I've, I saw what happened when I didn't do what he told me to do. Yeah. And I saw what happened when I used my ego and I saw what happened when he would say, say this right now. And I'd be like, no, that's too much. Or I'll wait a couple of days till I calm down or whatever, whatever. And he's like, no motherfucker now. And so I just started listening more and more and more. And I realized like, you know, how you do one thing is how you do anything. You start lifting more weights, you're going to get stronger. Right. And it's just the more I do it, the more confident I feel in, in speaking and, and, uh, but no, I was not always, not always like this. The world is attracted to people who are authentic and speak their truth, even if they don't like it. Yeah. Um, and that, that's cool that, that, to be able to flex that muscle. I want to be sensitive to your time. Cause I know you've got a hard stop. Yeah, here. We're good. Um, tell me about, Lions Not Sheep. This is a, a, a brand that is growing. I see it everywhere. You've really got a following, which is awesome. What's your heart behind that? What, what's your vision for you, where you want to take that? Well, when I went where it came from after my divorce and bankruptcy, when I was 31, I basically burned my whole world to the ground. I don't know what a midlife crisis is, but if it means leaving your marriage, you know, there was no infidelity. There was no drug use. There was no anything. It's just my wife and I just basically grew apart and we just, we ended up divorcing and going our own separate ways, not knowing who we were, what we were doing. And, and uh, it was a really, really, really dark period of time for me. Um, I went from being a self-made multimillionaire to going bankrupt, uh, to being, you know, 30 under 30, winning the awards, to being accused of being a fraud and all kinds of other shit. And it was in a really dark place. And as I started kind of trying to figure out how to rebuild, it came to me one day. And it just, it popped into my brain and it, it, I didn't read it anywhere or see it anywhere. And it just, it wouldn't leave. And it was one of those things where it's like, it just kept showing up. And I wrote it on my bathroom mirror and it was something that it, it became my own personal mantra for years before I ever even said it. Like for, it wasn't a clothing company. It wasn't a coaching company. It wasn't a book. It wasn't a movement. It literally was my own personal mantra. And I realized it came to me because I lived most of my life as a sheep. I did what I was told. I did. I said what I was supposed to say. I did it the way that everybody was telling me to do it, you know, whether it was religion or business. And I had no damn clue who I was. I had no idea who I was. I had no idea why I was here. And so I know that God like literally forced me into this place where I burned my everything to the ground, everything, my marriage, my businesses, my faith, everything. And I, I, I kind of, you know, came humbly naked with nothing saying, okay, now what, you know? And, yeah. and when it came to me, um, I remember uh, I, I called my friend and I said, Hey man, I want to put this on a shirt. I didn't know I was doing real estate. I've done almost 4,000 transactions, like flips. I was a big real estate investor. And he's like, yeah, cool, man. Go to fonts.com and pick out a font. And just tell me what you want it to look like. And I said, all right. And I went to fonts.com and I screwed around with a bunch. And I was like, all right, here's what I want it to look like. And I just had the lion's not sheep. And that was it. And so week goes by, he calls me and says, my shirt's ready. And I go and I pick up my shirt and it was like just one shirt. I didn't own lionsnotsheep.com. There was no trademark. There was nothing. And it just became, became like an outward expression for what I was feeling inside. It was like, it was almost like battle armor for me. And yeah. I put the shirt on, I would wear the shirt and I'm like, okay, I got a choice right now. Am I being a lion or a sheep? Cause lions do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> lion wants to take a nap. He goes and lays under a tree and nobody fucks with the lion. Lion wants to go eat. He goes and kills something and he eats this is what a lion does. Nobody screws with the lions. And, uh, I realized that, uh, you know, this was something that was becoming more and more inside of me. And then I posted a picture on Facebook and some dude's like, dude, that's a cool shirt. Where'd you get that? And I'm like, I made it. And he's like, well, can you sell me one? And I called my friend back and I was like, hey, some dude wants to buy a freaking shirt. I don't know anything about apparel. Like, he's like, well, just we'll set up your shop inside of our Shopify. So people would literally go to my old, my buddy's old website, frescopress.com to go buy a Lions Not Sheep shirt. And it was just the one shirt. And it was like that way for years years. And then uh, as it started to grow and grow, I mean, more and more people were hitting me up going, Hey man, you seem to have this game figured out. Like you're on the comeback in life. And I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm just trying to figure this shit out on my own. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you coach me? Can you coach me? I'm like, uh, sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll spend an hour with you on the phone. And I would do that all day long with people. And finally I had one of my mentors. He's like, look, man, like 
you know, we don't build statues to the people that fell and never got back up. Like we build statues to the people that got their asses back up and built a new life. 100%. And he's like, what you're doing is literally showing people how to come back from hell. You're giving them hope. how to come back from yeah. burning it all down. Yeah. As you said earlier, 50 percent of marriages are ending in divorce. You're figuring out how to come out of divorce better, not yeah. an angry us like everybody else does. Yeah. You need to start sharing this. And so I was against coaching. I was like, fuck coaching. Just call me. I'll talk to you. And so I kind of <laughs> formed a coaching group. And then I like, I bought the domain and then we put the, the, the t-shirt on the website. And for three years, I mean, my, my, my mom would make our shirts. There's just a little heat press and we'd sell 10 of them a month kind of a thing organically. Um, and, and as things started to grow and grow and grow and grow in 2020, I was like, you know what? I, I want to make this a thing, man. Like, God's like, yo, you got to push this out there. And so I decided to officially form the apparel company. And we started, I hired some people and started running ads. And, you know, we went from literally um, about $2,000 a month to within six months, we were doing a million dollars a month in sales. Fuck. That's incredible. We, 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 it exploded. I mean, I've had major setbacks. I mean, last year we, we had a huge setback last year. It was not a great year. Like I'm trying to figure this out literally as I go. That's what I tell people. <laughs> like you guys look and think I've, you, like you said, you see it everywhere. I'm like, yeah, but I don't even feel like I'm anywhere yet. And I'm like, I'm just out here cutting my teeth, trying to figure out the game like everybody else is figuring out the game. But, you know, I, I have, I want, I want Lions Not Sheep to become a household name. It's more than a t-shirt. It's more than a hat. It's a movement. It started inside of my heart and my soul. It didn't start as a t-shirt or, or, yes. or, or a capitalistic opportunity. It started literally yes. as my own personal 2.0 of life. And that's what I really feel passionate about is, is knowing that when people put the hat on or the shirt on, they feel like I did when I first did it. You literally, it sounds cheesy to so many people. You don't feel that way with a Nike shirt or an Adidas shirt or a Stussy shirt. When you put lions, not sheep on, there's something where you're like, yeah, let's fucking go get this. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's go live our dreams. Like, let's go build. And to me, if, if, if the, the apparel becomes kind of the outward expression of our inward commitment or our inward devotion, then we're winning. And so for 100%. me, I, I, you know, I, I have huge plans. I, I've not made any, you know, I've not danced around the fact I want to turn this into a billion dollar brand. I want this to be a household name. I see it on everything. I see it on, on apparel. I see it on gear. I want to, I want to do deals and do cars and trucks and razors and, you know, guns and everything that I'm into. Like I would love to take it and put it everywhere uh, because it means so much to me and seeing people around the world I mean, man, I've been literally all over the world and bumped into people. I was in London and saw a dude wearing a shirt. You know, I mean, it, it's it's wild. Um, but the crazy thing is, is I, I truly don't feel like I've even started yet. We've really only been pushing the apparel for two and a half years. So to me, I'm like, I, I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing yet. You know what I'm saying? I'm still trying to learn. But um, yeah, I've got huge plans and I and I and I'm immensely grateful for the tribe that we have because it's it's a lot, like I said it's a lot more than apparel. It means yeah. something to people and, and seeing kids and teenagers. I mean, I get hundreds of messages a day, literally between Facebook and Instagram. And when I get a message from a 17 year old and he's like, dude, me and all my friends love your videos. I'm kind of like, yo, there's some of those you probably shouldn't watch. Too young. <laughs> That's a conversation you need to have with your mom and dad. Right. But knowing that there's high school kids that have read my book that wear the gear they're like, dude, we rep your, your stuff every single day. Like we all love it. We have stickers on our cars and lions, not sheep. And I'm like, damn, man, like that's powerful. You know, I didn't have that male figure when I was 17, 18, 16. And so I'm like, if somehow vicariously I can be that to somebody or I can inject that, that mojo into these kids and into moms and dads and husbands and wives and marriages, then I mean, dude, God bless. I love it. I love it. What What are you doing beyond the apparel? I mean, obviously it's a message and I, it hits because it's clear what you mean. Lions, not sheep. It yeah. doesn't, it's, it's not up for interpretation, right? I love that. It's a powerful message. I love that you said it's a movement. That's really where you see it. What else are you doing to, to help people develop and grow into a lion, not a sheep? I, you know, I, I wrote my book. We're, we're coming up on close to a million copies organically, which is really, really, really um, humbling. I do a lot of speaking. I've got my coaching group. We've got about 2000 people around the world. Um, I started that nine years ago, uh, which was literally my very first coaching deal. And I was like, my, my mentors kind of pushed me into it. Um, but we looked at the numbers a little bit ago uh, and we've had almost 30,000 people that have joined that group over the last nine years. 
which is just like, I mean, I know Tony Robbins puts 30,000 people into one arena, but for somebody who's like, just, I've never spent a dime marketing it. It's all organic. I just literally use this cell phone and these platforms to have 30,000 people, just under 30,000 people have joined my group, consume the content, knowing the the ripples, like it's just been, it's been cool. But um, yeah, I mean, I I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm hanging onto a rocket most days and just trying to freaking keep it pointed straight. Um, But uh, yeah, it's, it's, we've got a lot of stuff planned and, and and I want to start working more with kids. Uh, My wife and I have been really, uh, we came together at the time that we did for sure for she and I to start talking about relationships and couples. We started a podcast, um, which is, taken off it's got millions of downloads which is really cool um so you know the the i feel like right now for for us like there's a lot of darkness there's a lot of confusion people are looking for leadership they're looking for kind of the true north you know and and i'm not i don't i've never told anybody hey it's my way or the highway i'm like look i'm a dude who's trying to figure this shit out like everybody else here's what i know works and here's who i am take it leave it take things from me put it into your own life leave whatever you want i don't really care but I think that's one of the things that makes Lions Not Sheep and me specifically unique is I'm not like, you got to do my shit right now or you're all going to die. Like that fear. It's like, look, man, if you vibe with me, then join us. Like there's my tribe. There's my people. Every week I go live. I teach you what I'm learning. I teach you what's working. You know what I mean? And, and to me, that's the true essence of leadership is, is going and picking up the machete and cutting a new trail. And so yeah. for me, it's like if I can show people how to have a happy marriage and a booming business and be a present father and show people how to do it where people don't think it's possible, then that's as divine work as you can get, man. I 100% agree. That's We're moved out of a season of bringing people to a building to represent God and bringing God to the people where they're at. Amen. Right? And it's a different, that's a different connection and a different truth, I think, on many levels. So yeah, I love the I heard a quote years ago that stuck with me that's really been powerful for me. And, and it says... Uh, Live your life so that those who know you but don't know Christ want to know Christ because they know you. 100%. So to me, it's like, that's that's my mission. That's my objective is, is to do that. You know what I mean? Hey, buddy, I'll call you back. I'm just doing a podcast. You good? <laughs> I'm leaving my house in a little bit. Love you. Bye. <laughs> I've said this before. People think I'm joking. I don't care who I could be talking to the Pope. I could be talking to, to God. If my kids call, I pick up. doesn't matter to me. How I, I got an 11 and a 14 year old. I get it on many yeah. levels. I get it. That's cool. Yeah. Toby Mack said it the opposite way. The leading cause of atheism today is Christians who profess God with their mouths and deny them with their actions. Some, guys, some of them are just mean, man. They're just ruthless. I'm like, how do you think you're doing God's work when you're just slamming everybody all day long? Right, right. Just shoving shit down people's throat. It's like, that's not helping, man. One, one of my it, organizing principles. It also principles. exposes that they don't know anything either. Correct. So. That's exactly it. Organizing principle. Get advice from people who are where you want to be. Somebody's coming know. at me with their religion and I don't see love in their eyes. I don't see tolerance. I don't see understanding. Real tolerance. I don't mean the fucking weird shit we're seeing going around in the world right now, but like yeah. where you're really listening and seeking to understand. Like you don't know God. It's obvious yeah. to the degree in which you remember who you are by how you show up in the world. So totally agree. Word. I get it. A few rapid fire questions. I know you need to go. What book do you find yourself recommending more than any other? And it's fine if you want to plug your book here, but just nope. what book do you As a Man Thinketh by James Allen, greatest book ever written. If I was stranded on a desert island, I would take his book over my book. As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. Best book ever written. Well, that's a great one. I'm with you. What's the best purchase that you made under a hundred dollars in the last six months? uh flowers for my wife <laughs> good fucking answer what's your, what's your next year look like when you look at the next 12 months where's your big focus what's winning look oh, like to you good night um just trying to make it to the end of the year <laughs> <laughs> uh no we're we're building our ranch out right now which i'm super excited about like i'm i'm headed up there tomorrow i'm like trying to get all the snow out of there we got a ton of snow but um i'm really passionate about my ranch it's it's something that uh we have 500 acres. It's self-sustaining. We have our own water, our own power. We're, it's, there was literally nothing there. It was just a blank slate. So every single thing that's there came out of my mind from where the roads are to the, where the gates are, to where the house is, to where the water's at, the whole thing. So that's something that I'm really passionate about right now. Thick. That's uh, going to be smart, I think, going into this next season. Oh, dude, I've been telling people like, 
you can keep buying stuff, but buy land, even if there's nothing on it, go buy yourself a five acre, 10 acre, 20 acre chunk of land in, in the boondocks within an hour or two from your house. You won't regret it. Where you have water rights and you're off the grid. Yep. I'm with you. Uh, are, are you in Utah? I'm in Utah. Okay. And your ranch is in Utah? Yeah, it's somewhere in Utah. Yeah, I get you. I'm tracking. Awesome. Very, very cool. I think you're doing uh, a, a great work and the, the people that resonate with your shit, you can see that their life is changing and you can see that energy on them. Lions, Thank not you. sheep, right? And that's, to me, that's the work. And we all have an audience that resonates with us and reaches us. So keep being bold, keep fucking being you. Where could people find you? If people want to find out more about you, where's the best way to connect with you? I'm not hard to find. Lions.sheep.com, SeanWhalen.com. I'm all over the, uh, the world wide webs. And, and, and just a quick plug. I'd love to hear, if you don't mind, just a few seconds. I was going to ask you about this. I forgot. Tell me about your platform. You started your own, um, yeah. your own coaching platform, your own community platform. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit about that? So I started my coaching group nine years ago on Facebook because it was free and I had a private group that you couldn't see. Um, and I sometimes share my political opinions and <laughs> normally it doesn't align with Facebook. And so they like to hit the pause button on me and cancel me. Uh, and so that happened probably a dozen times over the years. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to be able to scale a business this way. And, and so uh, a number of years ago, I, I, I started looking at different ideas and different things. And, and about three years ago, I contacted a buddy of mine and said, hey, man, I want to build my own platform. And I just I took nine years of coaching and said, this is everything that I want. And it didn't exist. So I took the best of everything from Instagram to Facebook to mapping to scoring to tracking. Um, and we just actually soft launched, it's called Jadari, uh, J-E-D-A-R-I, and it's a white label platform. So I built it for myself. Uh, we spent a lot of money building it, uh, but it's a standalone app. We don't, it's not connected to anybody else. It's our own programmers, our own things, which if you know anything about tech, it's wildly expensive and really freaking frustrating. Yes. Um, but I built it for my lion's den. So I built it, you know, selfishly to have my own group. Um, that was the best out there. And about halfway through the build, some people are like, Hey man, you should white label this. And it is going like hotcakes. So if you're a community person, if you've got a tribe, if you're a coach, if you're a consultant, if you're a business owner, if you're a religious leader, if you have a tribe of people with from 10 to 10,000, 50,000, uh, shit, we're talking to a couple organizations right now that have millions of people. Um, Jadari is a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal resource. So you can go to jadari.com or, you know, we're on uh, Instagram and, uh, and check it out. But I'm, I'm really, really, really happy about it. We just launched it in January. And so we have huge plans for that. What's a few things that makes it stand out to you? I mean, you obviously built it with your community in mind. Which yeah. Number one, you own it. So nobody can cancel you. Right. Oh. And, and, and that was something big for me because I'm like, look, I have to, I had to water everything down to be on Facebook because I kept getting canceled. Right. So if right. I shared my political opinion about something, I mean, I got banned for 30 days because I was literally in a thread talking to guys about cigars. Cause I'm a big cigar guy. And somebody said, what do you think about Cubans? And I said, I don't like Cubans. And they banned me for 30 days and said it was hate speech. I'm like, we're talking about cigars. Like yeah. I'm not saying I hate the island and the people. We're freaking talking about cigars. And that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm like, you know what? Fuck you guys. Like, I'm gonna go do my own thing. But we, the, we have literally an identical match deal at Facebook. So we have our own wall, which is really cool for my tribe because we get to share wins. We get to share where we are. We can ask questions. We have separate groups inside where some people join the lion's den or, or come to me for, for relationships or they're lost or they, they just think it's all about money. So we built all these pods inside of Jadari where there's one group where we're talk, constantly talking about money and business and deals. And there's people doing deals, me included, like with these 2000 members. So, I mean, if you're a business owner, an entrepreneur, you literally have 2000 people like in here that you're networking with, doing business with. We have a relationship group. I think the coolest feature, which it, some people like it, some people don't really care about it, is the map. And, and the reason that I wanted to build the map is because I travel a lot. And when I'm traveling, like normally what I would do is I would put in like, hey, man, I'm going to be in Boston. Who's in Boston? You know what I mean? You throw that up on social media and, and with the algorithms, maybe people see it, maybe people don't. You know what I'm saying? And so I built this feature with the maps. It's kind of hard to see, but like these are all the members of the Lions then. So if I'm going to... You know, say, I mean, we got Mexico in here. We've got, yeah. we've got 13 countries, but I can just click on one in Bozeman, Montana. You know, right? You can't really see it. Sorry, it kind of sucks. But no, Bozeman, I, Montana, I see it. there's five members. So I literally just click on it and it shows me all five of my members that are up here. 
So instead of being like, hey, I'm coming to Bozeman, who wants to, I'm just hit up Danielle, Kyle, Taylor, Wyatt, be like, yo, man, I'm coming to town, let's go grab a coffee. So if you have a community, if you're like a church or an MLM or, or, or you know, a coach and you're traveling a lot and you want to really, nothing will ever be hand to hand, in my opinion. Like pressing the flesh, kissing and shaking babies will never, that'll never go out of style. So for me, it's like, if I can create something that plugs real human beings together that are already in our tribe, and it's been for our tribe, it's been huge, man. We, cause we have meetups all over the country all the time. So all these members now, as they travel, they just go straight to the app, to the, our maps and see who's like along their, their road trip route. And they just get to meet all these people that they're virtually connected to, but now they get to like see them and you're building real relationships, real friendships, which to me is, is very, very, very important. That's especially it. That's inside of about. tribe. So I think of all the features that we have, that's probably my favorite. And it just, I get giddy looking at it because it doesn't exist anywhere else. Like nobody else has all of these features together. I mean, we can go live natively where most people have a coaching group. So they'll host this part over here and then they use Zoom for their calls, yeah. right? Everything is inside of the lion's den. It's all recorded in here, our library. We have thousands of trainings and videos all inside of this one portal. And I mean, dude, if you're a white label person and you want this, this technology, you can literally have it for a couple hundred bucks a month, like literally by dinner tonight which is mind bending. You know what I mean? We spent almost a million dollars in two years. You can have it in a day. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's incredible. And are your, are, does it function the same as a, um, a web and app? So yep, that if, we've got web and app. Other, okay. Yep. So, That's the other thing, getting deplatformed for anybody who wants to speak truth. You got to worry about that, right? You got to model. Yeah. I don't I mean, blame got, you, but. We've got the same features like Facebook with our, with our scrolling feature and posts and, thing, and things like that. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, nobody can shut me down. It's my platform. It's your platform. Uh, we don't regulate it. We don't monitor it. You know, obviously yep. if there's anything that breaks the law, it is, cool. you know, stuff yeah. like that. But, you know, even still, like when you get your own white label deal, you know, it's, it's yours. So that was really, really, really important to me. Not what, being censored. What does Jadari mean? It's gotta be, it's got a name, right? My, my partner came up with it and um, it's had something to do with um, Armani and, um atari and so he had a vision one time about like the basics and this wealth thing and he came up with jadari i was like so as we were talking about names he, he came up with that. i was like yeah that sounds fucking cool we looked it up and found it and somebody had it some weird weird, weird way but we could buy it for like a thousand bucks because i liked it and it looks cool and our logo looks cool yeah. i mean i'd never been in the tech space before but now being in the tech space i see what it is and how competitive it is but i also see like how cool it is too. So it's a uh, opportunity. We have huge plans for it. We want to, we want to build it, build it up and put a lot of people on it and then, and then sell it. Sick. I appreciate your time today, brother. It was great getting to know you. I'd love to continue this conversation. Let's Hope do you, it. Uh, have a fantastic day and we'll talk soon. Thanks man. Appreciate you.